Hello and welcome to the How to CEO Show. I'm your host, Murray Newlands. When you chose to become a CEO, the world changed. You can crash and burn or you can build an amazing company. This show is teaching you everything you need to know to build and create that amazing business. It's hard, but we will bring you the people with the knowledge in order for you to create an amazing company. In this show, we will be looking at how CEOs and why CEOs need to build a functional family in order to create a billion dollar company. I'm delighted to have two guests on the show with me uh, this time. Please do introduce yourselves. My name is Cameron Yarbrough. I'm the CEO of Torch. We are a leadership development company and we were backed by Initialized Capital, who's our other guest on the show, Gary Tan. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Gary Tan. I'm co-founder and managing partner of a firm called Initialized Capital. We have just over half a billion dollars uh, of assets under management. We funded uh, close to 200 companies that are worth more than $36 billion in aggregate. Um, and for every single one of those, we were uh, probably among the first checks. So not when you have product market fit, we're the people you go after uh, way before you have product market fit when you're trying to figure out what the product should be. And uh, that's the part I really love. I was a founder before and uh, partnered at White Combinator for five years. So helped a lot of startups uh, over that time. And it's just remarkable how important the people aspect turned out to be um, in the success of every billion dollar company that we've touched. Excellent, thank you. And so let's, let's get right into it. Cameron, how did you uh, come about um, deciding to solve this problem and, and why do you care about this problem? So my first company was an e-commerce company that I ran and sold uh, back in the from the late 1990s to the mid 2000s and while I was running that company I, I had a lot of conflict with my co-founder conflicts with my employees and ultimately just made a lot of leadership mistakes and so much of that centered around how much stress I was under and just the difficulty in creating a healthy atmosphere with you know 40 50 employees and so when I, after I sold the company, I went and got a, a master's degree in counseling psychology primarily because I wanted to develop better relationship skills. So while I was in that program, I had, I had this very clear realization, wow, what, how would the outcome of my last business been different had I had all of these skills at that time? So there was a really clear need for these skills at the business level. And ultimately, I went back into the business environment as an executive coach to bring these skills to market. So being an executive coach is one thing, but why, why Torch? So really, Torch is, is all about humans supporting other humans at scale, right? So we're a B2B company that's, that's building software, analytics tools, and see with senior executive coaches to help people change their business lives. So the opportunity was to bring these, these psychological toolkits that I had learned throughout my years of clinical practice to bring these to the world and to the, to the business world at tremendous scale. And so that's the, that's the mission and the bigness behind the vision. 
And Gary, why did you why did you choose to invest in this, which um, seems like a very people heavy business? And I know investors often like don't like those so people heavy businesses so much. Absolutely, it's a great question. Well, um, part of it is personal in that uh, Cameron has helped me as uh, my executive coach prior to actually starting Torch, and we sort of I actually sent him quite a few companies that he would go in and help in very fundamental ways, um, often around co-founder dispute, co-founder conflict. Um, what a startup really is, um, you're trying to do something that nobody else has ever done. And everyone, you know, the, the reality is you, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's not just one person doing that. Often it's you and your exec team and the people around you um, who have to decide what do we do next? And when you're failing, when you have investor money on the line, when you have employees, you have customers, you have this giant freight train that's going um, and things are not quite working, uh, that's usually when people really come into uh, difficulty. If, you haven't, if you're not on solid uh, rock around your relationships, then that's when um, you know, things like the four horsemen of uh, you know, relationships sort of come out. And you know, that was one of the things that I learned from Cameron uh, in my coaching with him. And those are the tools that really fundamentally help uh, founders right at the moment when they get punched in the face. So you're doing this to protect your investments. You're doing this because uh, you think investment firms probably need this too. I imagine oh, uh, many partners <laughs> no question. need this too. Um, so, so let's think about this from, um, from ground up. Um, what are, uh, when you're thinking about um, building a company, what are the, uh, before you get to being punched in the face too many times, so what are the characteristics that you should look for uh, in trying to build your entrepreneurial journey? What are the characteristics that you should look for in a co-founder? And then in the team that you're building, what are those, what are those basic building blocks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this actually came up in the life of Torch. Cameron and I worked together on uh, this very early stage of not just the idea, but also who should the co-founders be? Who should be on that initial exec and co-founder team? Um, and what you need is actually people who are often very, very different, simply because you need very different skill sets. And the result is that people speak actually often different languages. Uh, they have different motivations. They have different ways of thinking. And so what you have in an early stage startup team is incredible diversity of thought that's necessary. And, and that's the powder keg of uh, conflict. And how do you diffuse that? If you can actually uh, make the right decisions and communicate properly, you can actually make not just 10% you know, better decisions. You can make 10x better decisions. And those decisions compound over the life of that company, especially at the earliest possible stage. You're just trying to find product market fit. And so you need the engineering perspective. You need the designer perspective. You need the marketing perspective. You need the sales perspective. All of those things need to actually work together. And if you can't even speak the same language or you get deep into uh, unhealthy ways of communicating, we actually see that as the number one reason why startups fail. That was definitely the case at Y Combinator. I'll just add to that. When choosing my co-founder, what I really looked for is I looked for someone who had symmetrical values with me. So I wanted someone who we're, with whom I felt very aligned when it came to our, our mission in life, the things that we care about, how we want, how we want to treat people, et cetera, right? So personal values, I wanted someone who was 
very equal and more or less the same. But in terms of skills, I wanted someone who was very different. And so in terms of skills and background, my co-founder, although he's a clinical psychologist, he's He's a psychometrician. He's a data scientist. He thinks about the numbers when he makes a decision. And, and so I needed someone who had that data science background to complement my background. So complementary uh, skill sets, but symmetrical values. And, and I think it's very similar when you're building your executive team, just like Gary said, you've got to have all this diversity in terms of thought. But in terms of your values at the company, people need to be aligned. So as an entrepreneur, you're going to be, uh, as we talked about earlier, you're going to be punched in the face continually. Um, is there a mindset that you, an, an approach to uh, problem solving and, and the journey that you should be trying to frame things in? Um, or is it different for everyone? The first thing that I think is very common in entrepreneurs is a lot of entrepreneurs come from high trauma environments, okay? And interestingly, it's, it's these high trauma family systems that also sets them up for these, this crazy amount of uncertainty that we have to be able to tolerate and be, in, be fluent with in order to build a high growth company. Why is that? So in, in people who grow up in high trauma family systems are constantly dealing with uh, issues around hierarchies, power dynamics, uncertainty, volatility, unpredictability, right? And you develop a certain grit or, and resilience for that kind of environment. And, and what, but what happens is it almost becomes your normal. So, so entrepreneurs, particularly CEOs, are people for whom the, the volatility almost feels like their resting state. Gary, could you speak to this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely, uh, you know, grew up the child of an alcoholic, actually. And um, what I realized is that there is, um, frankly, almost an addiction to, um, it, you know, extreme, more extreme stimuli of your limbic system. <laughs> you actually want to find situations that, um, from psychological literature, psychotherapy literature, there's actually a book called uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And one of the key ideas from that book is that uh, people who actually experience trauma, they actually look for ways to sort of re-experience it, to actually um, process it. So, and, but you know, that's one of the reasons why often um, you see these cycles of trauma um, you know, from generation to generation. Um, and this isn't true for absolutely all founders, but it is very, very common. Um, and I think it's important for us to actually talk about that because, uh, you know, certainly for me coming up, uh, you know, when I started my company or throughout my career, um, I, I hid that, you know, I, I didn't want people to know that that was a part of uh, me and my experience. And I think that that actually doesn't help people. Like it's, it's far better to acknowledge, realize, and then actually um, do something about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, only, only once you're, once you are, your fully conscious mind is aware that there are these systems within you, um, can you actually transcend those things? And so that, you know, therapy, coaching, these are actually almost the only tools that allow you to step outside of yourself and uh, pay attention to these, you know, the basically autonomic, there's just like automatic um, 
cycles within you around conflict, um, around power dynamic. Uh, and these are the things that I learned. I had to learn really the hard way. You know, my first startup uh, also had, you know, it was marked by very extreme co-founder conflict, by avoidance, by uh, self-abandonment. And these are the things that um, get in the way of success. Absolutely. You know, you, you're always trying to make a decision between path A and path B. Um, and sometimes you just know uh, path A is the right thing. But if you come from a system of conflict, if you are avoidant, for instance, um, you might absolutely know that you need to advocate for yourself in that situation. But an avoidant personality that mirrors uh, something that you experienced before, that would actually cause you to sort of accept path B. And that's a worse decision for both the business and for the co-founders. Um, and this, I, you know, is unspoken, but basically happens um, day to day all the time, especially in the most important decisions that CEOs and founders have to make. Excellent. So, so let me, leading on from that, uh, so, uh, and, and open to both of you. So recognizing that um, founders and probably also other team members who come, um, who come to join a startup are joining it for those reasons. Um, what are the systems, guardrails, approaches that those individuals from those, uh, let's see, you're, you're a founder, you experience a lot of struggle in life, um, you're doing your startup and, and uh, because maybe you're, you're trying to uh, solve for those things that we've discussed, how should you then be tackling that? Hmm. And how should you be tackling that approach to your team and, and building the, the, the family in order to build this amazing business? So to me, the exciting opportunity with building a startup is that this new organization becomes a proxy environment to heal, right? So in that way, where things maybe have went sideways in our family systems, we get this brilliant opportunity to recreate something that's really healthy, right? And so, and, and so how do you do that? How do you make sure that the startup doesn't just become a, a repeat of that unhealthy cycle from your childhood? Well, you do. You have to create healthy cultural guardrails, right? So you do that by creating very defined values. You do, you do that by creating, a, by defining the behaviors that bring your values to fruition. You do it by creating a culture that promotes psychological safety and healthy feedback loops. So these are the kinds of guardrails that have to be in place to create psychological safety such that startup actually becomes a healing opportunity as opposed to just a repeat of what was unhealthy before. Yeah. And a lot of these things are, you know, again, automatic systems that, um, you know, I, everyone has had a bad day at work and, yes. you know, probably everyone has had, been in a meeting where someone blurts out something they shouldn't have blurted out, or they say things that are hurtful, things that um, I, you know, honestly probably represent the, their shadow side. You know, they, they show things that they shouldn't show in a professional setting. Um, all of these things, really hurt the ability, you know, both hurt organizations, they hurt relationships, and then they result in worse decisions. And so concretely, what I've seen is coaching in these sort of situations can actually head off uh, those, you know, the most deleterious of conversations that you would have uh, in a workplace setting day to day. Um, and, you know, it's as simple as, hey, 
you can, you know, what a coach can do is, um, Hey, I'm, I, I think that I'm going to have a really difficult conversation with person X, uh, this week. Can we do some role play? Can we think through what are my motivations and what are their motivations? And, you know, what should I say? What could I say? Um, and you know, these are so simple, like this is not rocket science. It's so simple. Um, but it's so helpful, like for the same reasons that therapy can really change someone's life. Um, I, you know, I see coaching taking exactly that same sort of, uh, powerful impact to people's business lives. So the, uh, yeah, absolutely. Let, let's, uh, let's keep focusing on this issue a little bit because, um, I think this is a really important issue. So you're doing a startup, whether it's with team members or with just, um, the ups and downs of, of a startup, uh, you know, you're going through the, the startup journey. Um, you know, you as a founder and the team are constantly going to be, as you say, punched in the face with like, things are not going to work. What are some, some easy tips for people to understand, um, that they should consider when these occurrences happen? And then that's open to both of you. So are you look, asking for like a framework for how to, how to, how to deal with, with being punching yeah. oh, with failure a yeah, yeah. Like, or, like they're constantly like challenges come up. Is there a, is there a generalized um, framework? Yeah. Here's an approach. <laughs> I mean, there's some that Cameron has, uh, you know, loaded into my brain that we use regularly both at the firm and with our companies that we could talk about. I mean, Go ahead. one of my favorite ones is, um, I remember Cameron sitting down with me and uh, walking me through, well, you know, let's say there's a, you know, two axis. Um, one is uh, love and then the other one is structure. And so, you know, they're, you know, low love, low structure, high love, high structure, and, you know, the, the opposites like high, you know, high love, low structure and low, you know, and vice versa. What do you think is the best possible, the most productive um, environment, both in family systems and um, at, at work. And uh, frankly, I, you know, chose wrong. <laughs> you know, my, my initial and basic inclination, probably because, you know, as a founder, I really like low structure. <laughs> I do see, you know, systematically seek out situations that uh, were low structure because those were the places where I could actually exercise a lot of agency. Like I could take no structure and turn it into something. Um, it turns out that for you know healthy fam both healthy families and organizations is actually high love high structure, and that was totally a surprise to me as a founder. Um, and once I knew that, then I you know then I could put into perspective why people were struggling within my organization. You know mm -hmm. why why was my communication style not working, and why were people failing? You know if if that's how uh, most people actually are, then I needed to change the way I thought about. Um, you, what's the day to day? Uh, you know, why do I have to have a stand up every week? Why do I have to have agendas and follow up and feedback? You know, these all seemed like structure that in an ideal world you wouldn't need. Um, and so, you know, that was all very valu valuable for me. And I've seen uh, great leaps and bounds in our productivity as a, a VC fund uh, just by applying these simple psychological. Uh, principles that I had no awareness of. That's that's fantastic. That is a that's really great advice. So when you're thinking about um, CEOs who and and investors who've been really successful in uh, in building companies and building funds um, uh, by creating a great family, 
who do you think of, uh, who are some great examples? The first person that comes to mind to me is Mathilde Collin, who has built Front. She's a very successful YA Combinator founder building a software platform uh, to organize workflows. And she has done an incredible job of, she, she to me epitomizes the high love, high structure founder. You, you look at the way that she runs her company and organizes her time and manages her communications externally and internally. It's very, very structured down to every single minute of her day. But similarly, she invests deeply in culture, prioritizes her people, makes extra time to connect with people and develop relationships, holds regular offsites for the team, et cetera. And if you look at the outcome for her, she's one of the most successful founders in the Valley. She, has, she had a famous uh, a Series B round with multiple term sheets dropping out of the sky, people chasing after her to give her money. That's a, that's a phenomenal result. And, uh, and any uh, funds that you think have, have done an amazing job in building a great team? Oh, initialized capital. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it, and that's why I think we, we, we love initialized capital. It, there's a lot of funds out there who the classic kind of meme is like, how can we be helpful? But they don't really want to be helpful or they don't really know how to help you. The difference with initialized is that, it, is that the two the two uh, founding partners, both Alexis and Gary, they are founders themselves. That's first and foremost. And you look at their behaviors, they deeply invest in their own therapy and their own coaching, and they actively promote that within their own organization. So I, I, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I imagine there are other funds, but I know for certain because I'm so close to the facts that Initialized is a very much a high structure, high love environment, and they deeply care about their people. That's awesome, thank you. And, and Gary? Yeah, I mean, we have honestly so many good options here. Um, I probably have to call out Justin Kahn at Atrium. Um, you probably couldn't meet um, a founder who is, you know, quite as thoughtful as this. this he, you know, he um, deeply believes in uh, mental health and investing in mental health and um, sort of like the whole being, right? The, there is this aspect of Silicon Valley that is go, go, go and 24-7 and sort of to the, to the detriment of, um, you know, the body, the psyche, the soul. And um, that's someone who, you know, Justin has really tried to bring to the fore uh, all of these, all of these things that are really important for CEOs to actually think about. It's, it's not um, just how long you work. It is actually how smart you work and how do you make a, if you have a workplace that really values, um, I mean, the whole being, the whole self, then that, then you will actually create things that change the world. Um, and it's really easy to forget that. Like, you know, we can spend too much time um, in sort of kill your competitor's mode. And, uh, you know, being more thoughtful just matters a lot. Excellent. Uh, thank you. Some really uh, insightful thoughts. Once again, if people want to connect with you uh, both, how do they do that? Oh, I'm easy to find on Twitter at uh, G-A-R-R-Y-T-A-N-2-R, Scary Tan. Um, and, you know, I'm on Twitter all day. I just started a YouTube channel, too. Awesome. Um, so, and what was yeah. that about? 
oh, it's about startups. It's about psychology. Uh, I have one about uh, Carl, Carl Jung, actually. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's a lot to be said for um, the role of mental health and uh, self-care in making better decisions and just making companies that are way more successful. I mean, these decisions compound. Um, that's the only way we can get the exp exponential growth we need to become a billion dollar company. And that's, we see that across uh, almost every, I wish I could say every single billion dollar company, but uh, every single one that we've seen so far, um, that, you know, there's an aspect of that. And I think that that's, uh, on, it's on the rise. And that can only be good for uh, all of us, including, you know, the people who are the builders in, in this place. Absolutely. Absolutely, thank you. Um, and you, Cameron? I would like for any and all HR professionals to come to torch.io if they're looking for leadership development for their teams. And for anyone who wants to connect with me individually, Twitter is the best way, at YarbroCam is my Twitter handle. Please connect with me there. Thank you very much. I'm Murray Newlands. You've been listening to the How to CEO show. Thank you very much for subscribing. Um, I look forward to hearing from you next time. And uh, if you know anyone who you think should be on the show or can share an amazing experience, I would love to hear from them. Thank you very much. See you next time. Right. Thanks so much, Marie. That was Thanks, fun. Marie. Thank you.